Welcome to episode 55 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. What up, peoples? And returning to the couch once again is our buddy, Connor Casey. Hey, yo. And this week, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. We have... Quite a few bits of breakdown from uh, the last Disney investor meeting, so we got a lot to talk about about the Disney Plus service and the details we've learned, and the future of certain Marvel characters under this new uh, regime, we'll call it, as well as Disney's plans for some popular film franchises to either continue or to make a triumphant return, so we're going to get into all of that. We will also be doing an extensive preview. We brought back Connor here so that he and Matt can uh, reunite in their... Uh, infamous tag team to break down WWE's 2019 SummerSlam in a preview that we will have for you guys at the end of the show. And this week, we will be reviewing the new kind of, uh, I don't want to call it a full horror film, but like uh, the kids YA horror film, and we'll get into all that. Scary stories to tell in the dark. So we have quite a bit to do. But first up, stay tuned because when we get back in our news flash segment we are going to be breaking down so many things that we learned this week about Disney plus Disney's new plans for movies for Marvel and a whole bunch else so be sure to stay tuned all right so I promised the people before the break that we were gonna be talking about Disney plus but before that we got to take a little uh, we're gonna take a little side tangent. Um, you know, we get ragged on sometimes here at comicbook.com for what, what we cover, you know, uh, specifically <laughs> in the realm of foods. We oh, cover this. a lot of food, right? Oh, man, are you going gonna to talk about how Wendy's spicy chicken nuggets are coming back to No, Wendy's they're not Monday? paying me. Stop no, doing you shill. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not getting any spicy nuggets out of this. So, yeah, we talk about food. And if you ever wondered why on comicbook.com we talk about food, it's a really simple philosophy. And I go through it with people all the time when they throw me shade in person. Um, you know, you talk about geek things with your friends. You, did you talk about comics? Yes. Did you talk about TV shows? Yes. Did you talk about movies? Yes. Did you talk about wrestling? Yes. Did you talk about it when stuff changed at your local fast food restaurant if there was something you were interested in eating? Of course you did. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about the McRib. You talked about the uh, Doritos taco. You talked about everything. So we, being a big geek site, also talk about all this stuff. So when things happen in crazy fast food land, you know, we're kind of interested. And one of the things I've been most intrigued by Recently, my intellectual curiosities have turned towards Burger King trying to sell people tacos. I didn't know about this, by the way. Yeah, the dollar beef taco. I kept seeing commercials for this, and I was just like, this just doesn't feel right, right? Like, you you separate your fast food worlds, and, like, they're supposed to be separate on certain things, right? Like, a Burger King is a flame-broiled grill burger-type place, right? So them kind of dipping into the Taco Bell game was kind of concerning me. And so, in the honor of Comic Book Nation and ComicBook.com, <laughs> I went out and did some, uh, you know, some inexpensive research on this this weekend. And I can report back proudly that the Burger King dollar beef taco is even worse than you think it is. <laughs> oh my God. It, it looks awful. Is it just it's, so? It's just beef. In a, no. Okay. So this thing, what you get with a Burger King beef taco is a mangled attempt at like frying a tortilla. So you get this like so mangled like a, like pocket, an awful empanada, basically. Yeah, like a mangled pocket that is just about ninety-five percent just burnt pocket. Okay, so then this burnt pocket goes all the way down, and you get to this little satchel at the bottom, <laughs> and stuffed into this little satchel is just like dinky amounts of shredded cheese, lettuce for some inexplicable oh gross reason. Because this is all heated, yeah. So <laughs> lettuce and like <laughs> a squirt of beans, and then something that is loosely supposed to resemble meat. And, and like, I'm, I'm talking like, in the standards of Taco Bell meat, this yeah. is something that resembles <laughs> meat. And a barest little squirting oh, line on top of the beans. And like, yeah, so imagine like a, a fried kind of like Chinese dumpling, you know, the ones that oh, are like uh-huh. wrapped and they oh, have little weird. pockets of, yeah. you know, things at the bottom. Except that's just filled with crap. Like, and, <laughs> like it, it's so gross. I'm so glad I didn't try. No, I, I got through about halfway through biting just the main like little pocket part um, until I was just oh. like, no, there's there's just no way I should be doing this to my body. So now, now here's I abandon it. So yeah, Burger King, get out of the taco game and get back to what you're supposed to be doing. Now I agree with you on most of the like you should keep things separate. However. My favorite fad, like discounting, like put Taco Bell over here as a separate thing. I'm talking like place that doesn't do tacos, does a taco. 
Nothing will compare to Jack in the Box's taco. Jack in the Box's tacos are fantastic. And you get two for 99 cents. Now send I'll me let the some internet swag. straighten you out about that. <laughs> My thing is just a PSA. We will be trying some foods here on Comic Book Nation and telling you about them. And, like, yeah, the Burger King beef taco is a void at all costs if you care about but The craziest thing is that people were sanity. excited when the news about that got out. And I'm just yeah. like, well, I mean, Burger King, I mean, arguably makes some good food, so they were just hoping, right. like, it would carry over to tacos. And those chicken but this, fries but they used or whatever to, they did this kind of went over they, well, right? Yeah, no. This is the thing that they've good. brought back. Like, it's not a new thing to their menu. It's the thing that they used to have for a bit. It disappeared, seemingly rightfully so. <laughs> and for whatever reason, this beef like, taco? Oh, let's bring it back. Yeah. I don't remember that. I didn't remember yeah, that apparently they had it. Apparently, it was a thing in the 80s. Now I'm going to oh, double check and make sure. Ooh. Woof. But anyway... So let's retire the beef taco. That's how I just wanted to start off this show. Now to what you probably expected us to talk about. Uh, yeah, Disney held an investors meeting this week, and we got to learn a lot of details about what's coming down the pike. Um, let's start with Disney Plus, okay? So the Disney Plus streaming service is coming up this fall, and we've heard a lot about the pricing and how it's going to be a Netflix killer. But they uh, kind of dropped uh, some new news that we're going to get this, and there's a bundle that's going to be offered for $13.99 a month, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the Disney Plus service, and you get ESPN Plus. Which and is also, not ESPN. No. There's a lot of people thinking, oh, man, I'm going to ESPN no. and mm -hmm. Disney Plus for it's, 13 bucks." No, you just get, like, the stuff that they won't even put on it's ESPN, how, the Ocho. No, well, it's also, like, it gives you access to... 90% of the articles on ESPN.com now because, like, so many are back behind that ESPN Plus wall. And Plus is where they put all their UFC stuff now. Yeah. So, like, if you, you know, anyway. So, basically, you get set up for a backdoor into ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, so. But you don't get the network. But yeah. you don't, you get the sizzle, but you, it just makes you hungry, and then you want to get the real yeah. ESPN. Yeah. Don't expect sports. Yeah, we're going to get into all this, but, like, the last part of it is you get ad-based Hulu mm -hmm. in this bundle. So, it is having the desired effect. People saw, see this, and, you know, Jim's trying to blow through the scam here, but, like, <laughs> the scam's working. The Disney scam is working, because people see this and they think, oh, for $13.99, I'm getting this Disney Plus service with all the, the shows, the Marvel stuff, the Star Wars, or just the films from mm -hmm. Fox, like, all that stuff, or just the Disney library. I'm getting ESPN, and I'm getting Hulu. Now, there's asterisks hanging over all of this, of course, because, like I said, it is kind of a clever marketing ploy because what you essentially really get is you get disney plus um you get a gateway into espn with all the things you probably don't want you know but you get to see mm. all the stuff you do want so that's going to be how much more will it be for you to just be like okay now i just want to add full espn you watch hulu for a while and you're like oh this is great but i just don't want to have the ads and then you start thinking well how much more is it just to get mm -hmm the ad-free Hulu, and then yeah. you jack it up there, and you jack it up there, and then in a year, when Disney comes back, and they're like, well, all this great stuff is now going up in price, like, you're going to be locked into a subscription service that's going to probably but make a lot more sense. every service. Yeah. But My Netflix I, thing I, is jacked I'm saying up that I'll time. say to say, I respect the scam in this. Yeah. Like, it's a good <laughs> scam. Like, uh, it's working. Like you said, like, people just see the ESPN, they don't, they don't well, register the, thing, the but like, plus. You're basically paying for <laughs> Disney Plus and ad-supported Hulu, and you're getting ESPN Plus. I was going to say, free, cause like, because like... ad-supported Hulu is what? $7.99. $7.99. So $7.99. Disney Plus by itself, $6.99. Yeah. ESPN Plus, I think, is normally $4.99. So you're getting a bit of a deal. Yeah, I mean... But it's like if, one of those things where it's just like, we need to get those ESPN Plus numbers up. So I mean, we'll just for, it to everyone else's Disney For Plus someone Plus who's been on the fence with ESPN Plus for a while, because... Like, I'm very much into, I want to see all the off-season trades, and they have their experts do full-on breakdowns of every single thing throughout the off-season <laughs> and through the season. And especially, like, NFL, if you want the draft stuff, that stuff is interesting. I just go and read a lot of stuff on ESPN. So, like, I don't even care necessarily about the TV aspect. I'm just, I want the material. And getting all that stuff... As a bonus, I already have Hulu ad supported, and I'll have Disney Plus. So like for people like me who maybe have one of the services already, this is thirteen bucks is a no brainer. Like yeah. here, here's my money. <laughs> I'll take that RB. And I think that I mean, and so it's an effective strategy. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Also, we learned that um, it will be if you are a D twenty three club member, you will be given first access to Disney Plus. Hey, -oh. so I mean, they're trying to get those club numbers up. So there you go. And it will be kind of, we'll see a more extensive preview of it 
at the D at, of Disney Plus at the D23 Expo when it comes up. Just in like two weeks, two, three yep, weeks. Two or three weeks. So that'll be kind of the real official unveiling and launch of Disney Plus. So that's our site. That's pretty exciting. I mean, people mm-hmm. are going to be showing up and saying, take my money. Now, where we go from there is anybody's guess. But uh, I don't think Disney will drop the ball once they get that first money in hand. They'll be running with this. And yeah, we're all going to be busy watching, like, you know, all this Disney Plus content. So we'll be good. All right, moving right along. The other thing we learned uh, from Disney CEO Bob Iger is that they have plans to, as I teased in the beginning, to bring back a popular movie franchise in the form of Home Alone. So. They're going to be reimagining Home Alone. According to what Iger said, they're essentially going to be reimagining Home Alone for modern times. Now, what that means is anybody's guess right now. Uh, I was writing the article about this and just trying to kind of, or, or about rather Macaulay Culkin, who kind of responded back because uh, he, he heard about this. Great, by the and way. he had the best kind of <laughs> clap back to this where he posted on social media a photo of himself just looking completely like messed up and disheveled, eating what looks like, you know, takeout beef stroganoff or something like sitting on his couch, like in his mesh shorts and like a mid-drift white beater and like a flannel shirt. Like, and he was like, this is what updated Home Alone look like today or something like that, which is funny. Um, and he's kind of riffing on something that's been going on since last fall when Google Home launched that ad campaign yeah. of, mm. you know, uh, of him as an adult Kevin McAllister from Home Alone and waking up Home Alone, but this time having Google's Home Assistant and then, you know, having a great time because, you know, nothing happens to him and he can deal with the robbers, deal with whatever he else needs yeah. to deal with through Google Home. So um, there is something to this, but uh, I'd be interested to see because, I mean, obviously... Home Alone is a classic, and uh, so yeah. like any talk of messing with it brings up weird visions of Home Alone three. Which for some people in this office, I think it's is it you what who loves Home Alone three? No, okay, it. good. Somebody because I can't office, stand because I can't stand that kid actor that was doing it at no, the but time. Somebody in this Another office person does who I love don't like Home Alone three, and we're gonna have to track that person down. <laughs> we really are, but uh, yeah, that, I mean that's what it conjures, right? Like any yeah, of something like that happening, so. and it's just the it's also like uh, so one of the ones I wrote was like the reactions, right? That people aren't necessarily thrilled with it coming back and like one of the biggest things is actually that the premise itself is really hard Hard to make work now because of technology and like everyone has an app it's like how do you leave your house and not know somebody's moving around everybody has alarms ring yeah all that you know why don't you how do you he texts i love there was one that was like he just pulls up whatsapp and goes hey you left me mine (laughs) texts on the way there and then solved like there's gonna be some i mean and that's my kind of fear is the first one kind of when you rewatch the first one as an adult and you're like well how did they leave this kid at home there is an actually pretty good explanation in the first one for how they end up in this predicament um, with a neighbor kid coming to the van and and his sister counting. Yeah, that stuff is that could really happen. Like, yeah. like you're just not paying attention. You think one kid. I mean, who if you've ever seen a school trip go wrong? And I won't talk about it in detail, but Ooh. I have. Ooh. Wow. But uh, yeah, you <laughs> just dark. know you can get lost. People can get lost. It's not that hard. So yeah. that was believable, right? Um, and the second one, it's he not, manipulated. It's not a good more. optics for the parents. Yeah. In that, but uh, <laughs> you're supposed to notice when your most annoying kid is not annoying you for even a couple minutes it's it's pretty noticeable as a yeah. parent how is that not like reimagined with uh, someone immediately just calling like cps uh well that was like <laughs> everyone was just like having a field day with like this movie is five minutes long <laughs> like yeah. just the movie i mean that's disney's that's like, challenge to kind of uh, explain away but i'm just worried it would be something stupid like oh he's sleeping in the attic and his he didn't plug in his phone and it went out and then they didn't notice and then they're in like a dead zone. Yeah. And he tries to call. And by I mean, I feel like that's what it's going to be because like, that's the only yeah. way to really How get How many it. cell phone flubs does it take to get you back to the premise of the original? Like, yeah. Also, can I just say it's part like I love those movies even too. Like, I really love to. Oh, I do like, too. A lot. Yeah. But the robbers are like what really, to me, make that movie so enjoyable. Yeah. Right. Joe Pesci. Without and, uh, them. It's like I'm to me. That's their biggest challenge is actually just to find two people that can kind of. Those are big shoes. They've they've made a very big impression. So you know. Yeah, and I don't know how you do the traps. Like unless it's like unless it's like Chucky in the new Child's yeah. Play. How do you do the traps? Without, like you're making it, smart traps and stuff. Like how do you do it without turning it into Saw? Joke <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about the series now is hey, this kid kind of just started torturing these two guys. They got in his house. Yeah, Alexa. Fire all weapons! Like, yeah, like, I don't know how you do this. Yeah, it's so. going to be hard. It's going to be, uh, yeah, that's going to be one to China. Good luck, Disney. Today. 
<laughs> but we're also going to get a continuation of the Planet of the Apes series, which also fills me with uh, trepidation because, I mean, when Rise of the Planet of the Apes came out, everybody was like, oh, holy crap. Like, what is this going to be? Like, this is going to crash and burn if you're trying to do an origin story of when the world was normal and the apes just, like, became crazy and took over. Like, that's just too crazy. Right. Then along comes Andy Serkis and, of all unlikely people, James Franco. And, like, yeah, we get this John Lithgow. We get this touching story about how, this, you know, this almost father-son story with Caesar. And Andy Serkis creates this awesome character. Um, and then, you know, what's his name? Batman guy comes in. Matt Reeves mm -hmm. comes in and then, like, blows all our socks off with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which was just one of my favorite movies of the year. And then he kind of ties it all in together with War of the Planet of the Apes. And we got, like, a really great trilogy out of this whole thing that nobody saw coming. And, you know, basically reinvigorated the Planet of the Apes and made everything kind of make sense for that. So I say all that to say, I'm just worried again that there's only potential to screw this up. Because so. now the studio wants more of them. Yeah. Because they made money. And yeah. they were well received. Even though the way the third one ends, you kind of go, well, we can't do anything more with that character. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's, I will again be very interested to see. I know why they want to do it, of course. <laughs> and of uh, course, again, conjuring up bad memories. Like the last time we tried to revisit a different take on the origin of the actual Planet of the oh, Apes movie, Tim Burton was Tim Burton, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, and we all know how that went. Abraham um, Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, the transition between where we left Caesar and now, like, what happens in a new Planet of the Apes movie is, I mean, you're basically starting a new trilogy that's more along the lines of remaking the originals, and... Uh, Even those kind of go downhill after the first one. Yeah. So, we'll see how that goes. All right, but Disney isn't known for failing, so it's kind of hard to judge just to know that I'm nervous. My anxiety is spiking a little. <laughs> All right, moving right along. We are going to talk about Disney also... Now, we've all long speculated about something once this Disney-Fox merger went through, specifically where Marvel was concerned. There was one redheaded stepchild uh, in this whole thing, which was, of course, Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. Like, so Disney acquired Fox. <clears throat> Fox had put out the successful Deadpool 1 and 2 and had this franchise with Reynolds, but it was a hard R franchise, as we all know and love. And now that Disney-Fox have merged and all these Marvel characters are coming and coming to the MCU... The big question was, how the hell do we get Deadpool into the MCU while still keeping Deadpool Deadpool? Um, and a lot of speculation has been, done, has been done about this. We've been writing about this ever since this deal went through. But the prevailing theory was that you could have two separate sides of, of Deadpool, which plays into the larger discussions we've had about the Disney Fox thing, which was Disney is going to still use Fox's name, 20th Century Fox, as, as a separate sort of um, branding platform for more kind of intense movies or, you know, famous franchises or movies that they want to put out on with a more violent action, hard R type deal without putting that under the Disney banner. You do it through 20th Century Fox. And so you could essentially have a character like Deadpool appear in PG-13 MCU films with other characters and ensembles and still put out his solo franchise under the 20th Century Fox banner uh, and, and retain the hard R, retain Ryan Reynolds if that's the plan and all that. So, basically, this week during Disney's, and this has been echoed by people who are directly involved with Deadpool, like creator Rob Liefeld, Deadpool director David Leach. All of them have kind of echoed this idea that while they don't know anything for sure, they felt, they felt like this is the way it could go. So, on the Disney call this week, we basically got indication that, yes, this is the conversation that's now happening in Disney. Um, can they do Deadpool in two different ways, in two different lanes? Or how should that be handled? So I just wanted to touch back on this and see how you guys felt about it. Um, do you think that doing it in those two ways is a smart way to go? Or do you think, because, you know, both you know, the same people I mentioned as fighting for both ways, David Leach and Rob Liefeld have also both said, but it would be okay if Deadpool was just PG-13. So how do you guys feel about that? And what do you think is going to happen? I think it needs to be, I think they're overthinking it. I think it just needs to be made and make it with the leash of, okay, this can be an R, 
depending on what we actually do with it. Get the story down first. Get get what you're actually going to do with it and how you're going to integrate him into the MCU. Get that down first before we start talking about can he cuss? Can he dismember people? Is he is there going to be another pegging scene like in the first one? Like obviously not. <laughs> oh, but you're if we're already talking about well how violent can we get? There's more important things that determine whether or not a movie is good. Yeah. Before we start talking about rating. Very true. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's Deadpool. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, that was a great reaction. I mean, like yeah. half the joke can be, "Why can't I curse anymore?" And just yeah, try I mean, to keep dropping. That's the that's the thing I always write about is it, it's different for this character because it's not like Rambo or John McClane when they get scaled down. Like everything about Deadpool in this shift suggests that there will be a kind of a meta awareness right. and in jokes, like the fact that he is in the MCU and. He's changed universes and all this will be something he's aware of and joking about. Yep. So you could take the fact that he's scaled down to PG-13 and make it a constant running gag in a movie where he's about to dismember somebody or do something. And he's like, oh, oh. And then, like, he just looks off screen or anything. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. We can't do or that. A, or <laughs> some guy walks in. And the camera lawyer. keeps cutting away. He's like, why'd you cut away? Yeah, or it just, like, goes off to the side and reveals, like, it's a stage set and stuff. And mm -hmm. he's just like, no. And there's like a lawyer guy like, mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> like so there's a lot of humor to be mined from it. And they've already obviously tested this Waters when they re-released Once right. Upon when a Deadpool yeah, in theaters yeah. to see how that would play. Which didn't make. No, it didn't make a ton of money. But that's because also because Deadpool 2 is not necessarily a movie for a re-release. Right. Like, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think that has more to do with but it all, the fact. But I mean, but it made, it did not make. Yeah, it, it didn't make anything. Made, but it was more of a novelty. I didn't even, like at the time, I don't even really think. I mean, I think they even kind of viewed it as a as a novelty. It's like, oh, this is just for the people that couldn't go or couldn't sneak in to see and Deadpool wasn't 2. Wasn't the Blu-ray out by that point anyway? Like, Deadpool 2 also hadn't even been, like, I, I don't feel like it was long enough to be like, oh, people want to go see it again, or short enough of a time to be, to capitalize on the momentum that the movie had. It was somewhere in the middle and didn't, yeah, didn't do anything. But it proved that it can work. Yeah. So, I mean, I... Personally, I would like the character to retain the R-rated edge because I feel like that's what sets, that's part of one of the many things that sets that character apart um, from other characters in the Marvel Universe. I would rather them keep it. I would also rather have that kind of his little thing left alone for the most part so we can get a next force movie we're probably not going to get that but would love to see that and then every so often you put him in the mcu proper and you have him be pg-13 there but well, it's a, his movie is still it's his still little way world. easier to introduce a a deadpool movie earlier than even a, thinking about approaching an x-men movie yeah, because right, you still have to oh, introduce yeah. mutants to the MCU and how all that works, and Deadpool can just still be in this bubble where all of that just kind of exists, and he just does it right. So I was saying, like, it's like I think we're going, we would get a Deadpool movie faster, but at this point, who knows? I mean, it's it's going to be have something they have to tackle anyway because it seems like one of the things that's going to change in specifically in Phase Five is we're going to start to see this expansion of. Right the MCU brand into more adult fare. I mean, we already have Blade on deck, yep. which is, I think, isn't, isn't that confirmed? Yeah, to be yeah like Blade R. is confirmed. Oh, uh, no, it's PG-13. Oh, is it? I believe so. Oh, I don't know. I thought. It oh, was no, Doctor Strange is confirmed yeah. PG-13. Blade is still up in the air. Yeah, and, and but I think, like, they're going to possibly be leaning towards an R-rated really? Dark Blade movie. Like, would I love that? Absolutely, but I don't think they are. I would think they would go PG-13 like they I still do think, everything like, else. I think Blade is a movie you could... I mean, would it be cool to be R? I think Blade's a movie you can easily do yeah. PG-13. I would love I don't to see think that. So. Turn the, all the I think, blood green I think I think it's a lot... <laughs> e I think it's a lot harder to do Deadpool in R than it is... I mean, to turn Deadpool PG-13 than it is Blade. I mean, Blade is just fighting undead murderers who just... Can, like massacre people and consume them. That's a little bit harder. Uh, and all the scary creatures and designs, like that's a little bit harder than just mm -hmm. Deadpool decapitating somebody. I don't remember. What were the Wesley Snipe Blade? All are. All, all are. hard are. Yeah. Okay. Like very hard are. I don't even remember. There yeah. was also, you don't remember there was Deacon Frost getting cut in half and then no, but I didn't remember the, together with I didn't remember blood? the rating. I couldn't remember oh, yeah, the rating. Like, yeah, Whether all those R, hard R. And that's that, what makes them great. Like that first Toro's scene in the too. first movie reminds you what the rating is. Except yeah. for the third one. Yeah, except for the third one. <laughs> so, um, so I think they should the just go ahead and tackle it. I think they should just branch out and start doing R-rated Marvel fare. And Reynolds. Do it under Fox if you want to. Just put it all out under Fox. 
create a brand eventually like Marvel Knights or something like that and just like let's get to it. All I want is just someone <laughs> at Marvel Studios take notes whenever you introduce Colossus. I, I want like that Deadpool Colossus is like my, my favorite Colossus. <laughs> it works so well. Yeah, I just love great. it. Well, we're going to skip one story because I don't feel like talking about it. And we're just going to end by saying uh, <laughs> there you go. shout out to uh, Mr. Danny Trejo gets a big shout out today. Machete. Yeah, machete. Because uh, Danny Trejo saved a special needs child from a car crash and comforted the boy until his grandmother was cleared from the car crash and deemed okay. So Danny Trejo, machete yeah. in real life, out here just saving people. And it's funny and it's a hilarious story because if you read his account of it, like, the kid was with special needs, seemed like, you know, may have had something like autism or something, mm -hmm. and just was kind of not fully communicative, and Danny Trejo, like, plays this game, and, like, the kid's shouting at him, he starts shouting back, and he's showing him how to make muscles and stuff, and it's a really cute story from Danny Trejo, which is, like... That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You just love to hear things like that. He's, like, a big, potentially scary-looking dude, and it's just, like, Danny Trejo, most sensitive guy. Like, teddy bear. Yeah. Ever since Sherry, baby, I've, I've seen another side of Danny <laughs> Trejo, if you get that reference. But, uh, yeah, it is great. I love Danny Trejo's stories because if I, he was, like, one actor who, like, back when I used to read that magazine that we're now competitors with, that, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, his story of coming out of prison and becoming an actor and all that stuff is pretty great. So, shout out to that guy for being a real-life superhero. Very much. All right, so stay tuned because when we get back, we are going to deep dive into the new film, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and... Connor and Matt are going to give us the latest breakdown on the big thing in wrestling. So make sure you stay tuned for that. All right. So scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> if you don't know about this book, uh, you probably weren't an 80s, 90s kid like myself. But uh, this was like the book that made it scary stories to tell in the dark, scary stories two, scary stories three. These were like prime time, you know, offerings at every school book fair when you were in elementary school. Those beautiful black books with the crazy artwork. Oh, man. And yeah, it was an anthology of stories of popular kind of horror stories um, that featured a lot of creatures that were created for the book. And yeah, it, it became a part of a lot of our childhoods. Mm -hmm and some of our first experiences with horror. And now it is a film. Uh, the book was written by Alvin Schwartz, and the movie is being done by uh, Guillermo del Toro and Andre Or... I don't want to butcher... Orvidal, I think. Orvidal. Orvidal. I don't want to butcher this guy's name. But uh, the maker of Troll Hunter. Like, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, great, great Love movie. that movie. <laughs> great movie, Troll Hunter. Um, and you can see why this is a marriage made in heaven for, as a concept. If you've seen Troll Hunter and the kind of creatures that are imagined and designed for that, combined with obviously Guillermo del Toro and his kind of imagination for creature design and horror, um, kind of unites into really bringing this book and especially the illustrations of it to life on screen. But that's also kind of the challenge of the movie, right? Because Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark has these kind of horror creature feature maestros is taking on, you know, stories that still scare a lot of us as kids, but has to appeal to both horror fans and the younger crowd that it's actually aimed at. And how do you do this? And can this movie strike a balance? Well, we're happy to report that, yes, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark actually does nail the balance between being scary enough to kind of justify the horror genre label but still kind of having enough whimsical and fun stuff and in, in kind of letting off that steam enough to be appropriate enough for kids to get a thrill without getting traumatized. Yeah. Um, which is something that Hollywood's been trying to bring back to the forefront lately and, and having a lot of struggles with because... Because it's hard to do. Yeah, well, it's hard to do because kids these days aren't like kids... And it's going to sound like old man, old man outlaw now, but like, yeah, kids these days come from a different generation. Like... And we've talked about this, and it's not to be, like, ageist or anything crazy like that, but, like, like I said, when we grew up, like, scary stories to tell in the dark, are you, a fr uh, as a book, for when you were six or seven years old? Yeah. Um, and just learning to read, experiencing horror as some of your first reading experience. Are you afraid of the dark? You know, the Nickelodeon mm -hmm. series and things like that were part of our childhood. Like, horror was, and being scared was part of our childhood. Yeah. Um, that kind of phased out as we kind of enter the 21st century. 
uh, generations of kids like that can't have their anxiety riled up by like. But scary I mean, the, if, even too, you just go back to even Goosebumps. Right? Yeah, Goosebumps, Goosebumps weren't even books, yeah. that scary, but there was still that like undercurrent of living life on the edge. In yeah, a way, and, and, and I didn't even read the Goosebumps books. I, I watched the show. Pieces. When yeah, I mean, that even that. came, like, later in the 90s, but, like, Goosebumps, yeah. like, yeah, really blew up, and, but the idea was that we were not kept away from horror. Nope. Like, horror was a part of our childhood, like, you know, you had I fantasy, the, you had sci-fi and all that stuff, superheroes, but you also dipped into the scary things, vampires, you know, we grew up with, like, Benicula being, like, mm -hmm. a book. Loved Benicula. <laughs> exactly, I mean, it's about a... Even when I was in third grade, I just remember hiding in a cubbyhole, reading about a vampiric rabbit terrorizing this household of pets. And it's like, and, you know, sucking all the celery dry. And like, yeah, and even that stuff <laughs> was like a big energy. Dude, I was deep in Benicula. Don't oh even start. There's like five of those books. Yeah, oh yeah, I read them all. I was deep. Um, so like, yeah. <laughs> and so like, but that phased out. Like it really has in the, in the 21st century. Like kids don't, you know, we got to this, I don't know. This idea of raising children where they're not supposed to be upset about anything or scared of anything or anything like that. So it's been a hard road back. And Goosebumps was like one of the early – the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black was one of the early sacrificial lambs to try to get <laughs> us back here. But uh, yeah, Scary Stories to Tell is in the dark. I say all that to say kind of fulfills that promise a lot better. And I hope this movie does kind of catch on with people um, because the stories are great and the creatures are great. And, and they do a good job of – really kind of taking these stories from the book and translating them to the screen. Uh, the different ones, the ones that are kind of funnier and the ones that are actually genuinely terrifying. Um, so, yeah, I hope this kind of catches on and becomes a trend because it's already in the works. We have an Are You Afraid of the Dark series revival coming. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see more films like this that I could take. Like, I don't, my kids are too young, but like nieces and nephews and things like that. Uh, to see because I think it is there's something cathartic and good about being able to be scared and learning to get over it I mean one of my favorite stories from these books is the story of the girl at the gravestone who's dared to go to the gravestone anybody remember that one mm -mm. all right well it's a good it's a good metaphor for what I'm saying here but, uh, <laughs> she gets dared to go to the, touch the gravestone and the story so is like a ghost will will get you if you touch the gravestone and she has to plunge a knife into the gravestone to prove that she did it and she goes up and she plunges the knife in the gravestone. She tries to leave and she can't because she feels like a force holding her. And she basically dies of like a panic attack uh, before they realize like she had accidentally knifed her dress into the gravestone. <laughs> and that was what was pinning her in place and couldn't move. And it's just about fear and, yeah. and dealing with fear. So like things like that. So I want to see more of these things here. And yeah, the visuals that are created by these two directors and the creatures they make alone are worth the price of admission. Dude, the pale lady. Yeah, Pale yes. Lady. Oh, my God. Yeah, the witch. So like, there's just so... Jangling Man. Jangling yeah. Man. Like, yeah. yeah ugh, the, like the, the drawings were so much more terrifying than the stories themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the artwork... I mean, those books... I mean, if they had just been blank-faced books, that's... No, the book... Like, there's things with a man with the rotted hair and the red nose yeah. and, like, all that stuff. Like, yeah, so... Good job and way to bring this back, so... If you have little ones... Or are you just a horror fan who doesn't mind taking, like... A ride on the you know the younger end of things. Go ahead and check out scary stories to tell in the dark. Yep, and you can read our full review done by our own horror ma maestro Patrick Cavanaugh, aka Wolfman, on ComicBook.com Horror right now. So be sure to check that out. Now, from the scariness of horror to the potential scariness of old greased men <laughs> slapping each other. I was wondering how you were going to get that. Always with the grease. <laughs> Always with the well, grease the key with components. You, the grease is a key component in all this. The grease and the slapping makes this industry work. The grease so, like, and the slapping. Yeah. <laughs> They're rejecting we need, my... We need to change the page name to Grease and Slap. Oh, well, God. I mean, I did that in the 90s. I tried to petition to be called it the Grease Slap Network, and they were like... They nah, said no, huh? No. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So, anyway, in all seriousness, WWE SummerSlam is coming up, and it's been kind of an eventful summer for WWE and you guys, uh, so... Now that you guys got a crowd here that kind of you got into wrestling, why don't you tell us what we are in for coming down the pike of summer with SummerSlam. All right, so SummerSlam this weekend in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's been in Brooklyn the last couple of years. They're finally taking it back on the road. And what we have as the headlining matches are Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins again. <laughs> Becky Lynch versus Natalya in a submission match. My boy Kofi Kingston taking on Randy Orton in a match I have been begging for for months and I'm glad we're finally getting. And a few other things, including maybe a match with Roman Reigns. 
but we're not quite sure about that. Hobbs one. and Shaw star Roman Reigns. Hobbs and Shaw star. <laughs> yes, Hobbs and Shaw star. Of many of many lines of dialogue. Roman oh, Reigns. Oh God. Ooh, <laughs> 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 anyway. <laughs> Uh, Matt, realistically, how excited are you wait, for this? Hold on a second. Are you also you're not even gonna plug the fact that Trish Stratus is having her last match we're at SummerSlam and legend. Goldberg is gonna we're be at SummerSlam? To the legend stuff. Goldberg gets his own topic. All right. But realistically, Matt, how excited are you for this show? Uh you know, I was not very excited before two weeks ago. I was kind of very lukewarm. And then over the course of the last like week and a half. They've done a good job to kind of get me a- enough. Like, I mean, if we were talking about a scale out of 10, it would be an eight. I'd be an eight right now. Like, I'm I'm hyped for some of these matches. I'm not completely sold on every match, but you have enough. And And a lot of it, though, as Jim brought up, has to do with the returning, like, two of those matches that the have returning legends. legends. So, um, you know, I mean, everyone knows I'm a Goldberg mark, so... <laughs> that had me day one. That's fair. Honestly, I've got it at a seven right now out of ten. Yeah, you look less enthused than I've ever seen what? you about wrestling. I know. This is a great card. It's an okay card. So where is it's got a potential <laughs> to be one of the best cards of the year. Yeah. We said but we said that about uh not great balls of fire. Stomping grounds. Stomping grounds. Yeah, and it delivered. This one has, We did not say that. I said it actually <laughs> looks good. This one has the opportunity to do the same thing again. Oh, man. Oh, I think this this. looks way better than Stomping Grounds. Here's here's the thing. I'm excited for the Finn Balor match. Yeah. Thank the Lord. Whoa. (laughs) He took took my pick out of my Somebody take the temperature (laughs) of hell. Somebody go check. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, it is – that is how excited I am. The fact that you put that the Fiend Bray Wyatt, who have just been dying to see back in the ring – Against Finn in a match that, I'm, that we've seen a few times before, but this time it feels different. Now, he, okay, so my, my issue with that one—the only thing I have an issue with that one—is that thing could go probably three minutes. Who cares? Finn's Maybe lose, I'll be fine. Which is my back. well, okay. Here's my problem with that match: is that I am ecstatic about the match. Your boy Finn's about to get, but over. it has a very big potential to be a complete squash to make Bray's Fiend look. Powerful and menacing, and I understand that Finn's going to lose. What I don't want is a squash. I don't want that. I want an actual match. WWE knows how to put these on. I just want a, a match that is of somewhat decent time to make that a feud. I would love to see that become a feud if Finn doesn't, you know, take time off or whatever. But he is taking time for, off, right? He is taking time off. He was, I mean, yes. He, he, you'll, you won't see him for about two months probably after this. But show. I would love for that to still be a setup because when he comes back, you can enter right in. You yeah. can write him off this way and then write him back in and have a feud. So Or do something interesting with him, like the OC. I would also like that. That we're, I'm not against that either. So we'll see. But anyway, my issue with the card is the the OC going to be a thing in two months. Mm, Probably, maybe (laughs) if they want to do that undisputed era feud that they keep teasing. I still prefer Balor Club, but okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Balor Club's better than OC because Finn Balor is is thank you is the best of the worst when it comes to Finn and AJ. I thought it was. How are you not gonna? I, that, he I'm, baited you so I'm much. Just, How are you not gonna I take that? It was okay. Be compliments for that. Card. That had Connor in all over. Okay. Point is, <laughs> I don't. I'm not thrilled about this card because of the top two matches I already listed. I don't care about Natalia, and I don't care that they're building Ooh. this match because she's in Canada, where guess what? She's 1,500 miles from where she's actually from. But oh, hey, it's her home country. It's like me competing here and saying, "Oh, you're from Salt Lake City," but everyone's gonna cheer for you because you're from this country. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't That's like make every sense. American Tr- thing ever. At least Trish Stratus <laughs> is from Toronto. Dude, that if you ever go to a foreign country sense. in a hostel, that's like every American thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but Canada's a big freaking country. You could be from L.A. and New and York during the Biggie Tupac beef, and if you saw them, if you <laughs> met over in, like, Mogadishu, you're going to be like, hey, what's <laughs> what up? What a fool. Okay. All right, I, rap, rap metaphors aside, I don't care about that match, and I am sick to death of Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I agree with you on both of those matches, actually. Like, yes, I know. I will like to see Becky Lynch win, and let's move on. But this, I as far as matches go, those are very uninteresting to me. 
I completely agree with you. Those are probably going to get the most time. But the other matches on the card, there's a lot of good stuff. Even though I'm... That's why it's a seven and not a five. I'm puzzled why you're looking forward to Kofi Orton. Because there is a story behind that. But that match is going to be so... Ten years So boring. That match is going to be so boring Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton? Yes. just said, yeah. <laughs> the promos they had leading up to it have been some of the best. Stuff I have faith in Kofi. I do too. Oh, but but Orton hasn't entertained me in a match love on a pay per view in a long. He's great you know in inter- cool run ins you know and where all the this entertainment factor is going to come from. Oh. Watching him getting kicked in the head. Look, there's your entertainment. I would love to be surprised on that. I just don't. Think, I also think uh, Bailey Ember Moon will be good too because Ember is fantastic in the ring, and I think that will be good. I could come back to this next yeah, week and no be sta- like, "There's like, there's no real stakes there. There's no stakes there. Charlotte's going to beat Trish. That's big shocker. That's fine though. I'm just talking about as a match. I think as a match, it'll be very good. I think Bailey and Ember will be very good if they give it mm-hmm. time. So I'm just, I'm shocked that Trish is coming back for a full match. She, any, everything that she's done has been protected, very short, protected tag team, yeah. etc. I'm very curious to see. It also makes sense though why. It's Charlotte. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, Charlotte can carry right. the load and right. make and that a great about, match. Like, the, the two yeah. of these matches, right? Like Dolph is, you know, I hate on Dolph a lot, but if there's someone you're going to let carry a match, Dolph is a good person. Still one of the best sellers in WWE. But l- let me ask this. How long does that match go? Because I've got it, the over-under at a minute. I have seven. Seven minutes. I have six to seven. So if you're going to make me harden it down, I'll say six. Jim? I like where Matt's head's at. We like that six. I think walk out, spear, jackhammer, done. I mean, his walk out is going to be two minutes. I'm talking. Bell to, <laughs> I'm talking bell to bell. Like, yeah, no, I think it's, I don't think it's going to do that. I don't want that. I think he needs to wipe the especially, bad taste out of his mouth after show. Especially showdown. after the Undertaker. Yeah. There is no way that if he does that, that like he gains any goodwill because then because then the WWE can't you can't sell Goldberg again right yeah. like presumably you're going to want Goldberg to come back and do a thing and there's no way that that's going to happen if he has the absolute like a BS a Brock Lesnar type appearance because that last they, match was they, raw. <laughs> the last run they sold him for months off of two minute matches the first match with Brock the KO man yeah but then the last match went a little longer it went six about minutes. that 6 minute mark and i liked that match a lot i thought they told a cool story in a very short amount of time enough for him to look like he was still you know up on his feet and not just dragging and i i would like to see that and then let's call it <laughs> let's also, stop you also got to remember dolph just came off of a loss that was 17 seconds against kevin owens yeah which I is fine. I, exa- I think the same thing happens here. That's I, I hope not. I hope that's not right. the case. So bottom line for me with this one is this could be a 10 by the time all the things are said and done. I'm just sitting at a 7 right now because I'm a little let down by the overall picture of the card. I could be blown away, but that's where I'm sitting at right now. Yeah. I am very interested to see what they do with – here's the thing. I, I'm not looking forward to the Brock-Rollins match at all, but I am interested in what – what the result is. I am actually curious as to where WWE is going to go with that because I feel like it's we've come to like three different stops in the road where I go, oh, they're moving on now, and then they keep coming back. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of ready for that to be over. Um, of course, that's not the only thing that's happening this weekend. Not far from it. Oh, yeah, we've got NXT TakeOver. We've got the G1 Finals. We've got Summer Supercard from Ring of Honor. Matt, what's the match of the weekend for you? Everything. <laughs> Probably going to be a SummerSlam match. I know. I know how your brain works. Uh, the one I'm looking... Oh, man. Okay. Because I, I say this with an asterisk because we talked about it earlier, but the one I'm looking forward to the most and the one I think that could be great is Finn Bray. I think that one could be great. Okay. If it goes the way I want it to go. <laughs> if it's going to be a squash, then I will come back and just be sad. But yes, I, that's the one I'm most excited about. Though I think... Cole and Gargano is an easy choice because that'll be fantastic. I think that'll be great. They always put money matches. I think it'll be great. There's not a ton else on that card. I will say that, like, it's just drawing me to it. I think overall it's kind of a pretty light takeover card, to be honest. Velveteen versus Don versus Strong. That's, yeah. That's, that looks good, too. To shoot that match into my veins. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a kill. All right. So there you have it. So that's what's going on in uh, wrestling this week. 
Anything else you guys want to add? Uh, my review of the new season of Glow will be up by the time this episode is up. It's a good season. It's got some storytelling problems that really hinder it, especially in the second half. Yeah, Netflix it, gets rough in that third season stretch. But if you <laughs> like the show... That's why they cancel every show at two. Yep. If you like the show, you're going to enjoy it, but don't get too invested in every storyline because they don't deliver. All right. Ah, there you have it. That's a little mini review. See, we give you bonuses on this show. We got a little mini review of Glow Season 3 in there for you. So don't say we don't do anything for you. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you are new to the show and are just getting on board, we launch new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on our site, comicbook.com, where you can subscribe to the RSS feed and get regular updates on the show. Or you can subscribe on your favorite listening platform. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, or you can tell any Amazon Alexa device, play Comic Book Nation podcast, and it will fire right up for you. If you want to continue the discussion with us about anything we've talked about, you can hit us up on social media at the hashtag Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. At Connor Casey underscore CB. And if you like the show, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We read reviews periodically on the show. We're going to do a couple in a minute. Uh, and if we read yours and you hear it and you contact us, we will send you a piece of Comic Book Nation swag in the form of a shirt right now. Um, give us a little bit of time, about two weeks or so, because like we said in the last episode, we send these out in bundles. So we read reviews, we gather a bunch, and then we send them out in big bundles. So just uh, give us a couple weeks if you hear your review read uh, before we get a shirt out to you. But all right, as I just teased, we are going to do... We like to keep producer Jim Viscardi working in our shipping department <laughs> working. So we... I mean, but we have a lot of great fans who are leaving reviews, so we got to actually pick up. So I think I found where we left off last time. Uh, you went through a ton last time. I was like 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So we're going to start with great job, vast improvements. Here's to another 50 eps. And this is by Han Shoots First. And this one's pretty deep. Informative and infinitely more positive and less self-promotion than most comic book pods. In spite of my initial reservations, I toughed it out through its growing pains to 50 eps based on the brand alone. But the podcast has grown to become a favorite of mine. I enjoy host Kofi's determination to keep the team on task. <laughs> Matt is an excellent complement to this style. In fact, I enjoy the rotation of experts and regulars as travel necessity demands. I feel this adds a freshness to the show. I even dig the appearance of Brandon Davis in his unique energy. That's how we describe him, too. <laughs> uh, I also enjoy the effort to provide bonus content and special episodes. By the way, the Amy Pascal-Kevin Feige interview was great. Thanks for the 50th episode shout-out and faux air horn reduction. Best of luck on the next 50 episodes. I Thanks did. for your energy and dedication to fandom. Uh, P.S. I kind of like the Blues Clues SFX. Yes! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and by the way, I did the air horn once. That was the first for every, episode. For every step forward we make, <laughs> we, make we take two steps backwards. So Some people just still go to sleep hearing that air horn in their nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to keep up by Jackson, by Jackal0514. I love this podcast. It helps me so much. It helps me so much keeping up with my geeking. I love all the hosts and really enjoy that they're not an angry nerd crowd. You have not been listening long enough, my friend. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Marvelous by Plat Platty Puss Man 35. That's a great name. This podcast makes me happy. <laughs> it is the best source for info on all things nerds need to live. Website, podcast, now need an app. BD, Kofi, Charlie are the best. I listen to all of the podcasts. Keep it up. Charlie. Okay, Charlie Ridgely. Nice little Charlie shout out. Look at Five that. Five star by W by Baby Doc J. N. The end. I'm sorry, but uh, hey, Baby Doc J, you need more than two. Wait, you made more than a Was letter it for literally a the end? <laughs> yeah, and, and an N for a review. We need a little more than that, buddy. Okay. So uh, that's not a shirt one. Okay. Just enough by Comb. Oh, wait. No, I think we did Comb Diddy. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I think. Oh, no. These, I think we just still doing like. <laughs> We're still doing some of the old ones we had. No, we're back. Man, we had a lot of these. Well, I'll do two more. Awesome podcast for a variety of people by Meteor IXI. 
Greetings and salutations. I've always wanted to get into comics, even more so than the conclusion of End since the conclusion of Endgame. Look at I that. came across your recent review Ooh, on two people. new X-Men comics, House of X and Power of X, and loved the chemistry I heard on the show. I loved it so much that I went back and downloaded and listened to every single one of the previous podcasts, including the bonus shows. I am now a CBN <laughs> fan and look forward to future listenings. P.S. Ever look back at old shows and see whose predictions actually came true? Oh, you better believe I do. Oh, you better believe. <laughs> Hardly like, any of mine. Kofi <laughs> silently just keeps mental track of it. <laughs> decision that gets made here. Um, when finally, way better than most of the stuff you listen to by Grayson's D. <laughs> All right. <laughs> a few months ago, I was looking for a. Well, it's Grayson's underscore D. It could be Dick Grayson's. I don't know. A few, I hope it's the funnier version I'm thinking of. A few months ago, I was looking for a decent podcast that would cover news about comic books and everything related to them. After a few frustrating hours one day, I ended up finding Comic Book Nation. After a couple of episodes, it became the podcast I listen to every week. In this case, twice a week. And that should mean a lot coming from a guy who works at the pod in the podcast industry. Oh! Nice. Since I don't have that many friends into comic-related stuff, not considering people who only watch MCU sitcoms and think they know about this industry. I feel each episode is like conversation among friends. Yeah, those friends that I don't have. And I also <laughs> don't join the conversation. So maybe that's not the best comparison, but I'm sure you get it. This is amazing. These guys are fun. They know what they talk about, and I actually learn a lot from them. One thing I honestly don't care about is wrestling. Oh, I didn't see this part. Sorry, guys. Can that be moved to its own podcast? Oh, it's a good idea, Jim. Oh. <laughs> it's a good idea, Jim. Roller coaster yeah, of because emotion. he doesn't want to listen to it. It's a good idea, Jim. <laughs> now I'm just saying he's coming up with gold here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing we never came up with that. Yeah, for this uh, weird. All right, that's weird how that. And works. one thing I do, I actually do care about is BD's sexy. Whoa, I really should have screened this one. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no, I did not. I actually do care about is this was I had to actually do one of those like press for more, and this is the more that we're getting into <laughs> now. I actually do care about is. BD's sexy voice. Can we get this man in every single episode? If you're into comics or just the MCU sitcoms, I truly recommend this one. You Did won't regret. Did he write this one? Uh, probably. <laughs> or had The Rock write it. I don't know. Like... <laughs> <laughs> But, like, um, oh god, that's awesome. We we feature Brandon Davis. I mean, he is like literally the face of this whole thing. So if you, there's no shortage of Brandon, Brandon Davis, sexy no. voice, just go look at any one of our uh, comicbook.com videos, For basically real. on YouTube or in AOL or wherever we have them, and just like yeah, there will be some Brandon Davis in your face. Binge your hearts, yeah. I love all the comics. Love, I gotta say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, it, let me just say, as always, we love you guys. We love these reviews. That's why we read them, and we're not just bribing you with swag. I mean, we are, yeah. but we want to reward you because we know you guys have great thoughts, and we love reading when you guys put a lot of thoughts into these reviews. It's amazing. So thank you very much, and it does. It makes us very happy this week to have you guys, especially jumping in because of our uh, increased discussions about like House of X, Powers of X, and Absolute Carnage, and comics in general. So that's uh, really gratifying to people who work at a site called comicbook.com, and if you have trouble believing that. So that'll do it for this Very episode much. of Comic Book Nation. Thanks to all our fans, and uh, we'll see you guys next episode. Later. Deuces. Peace.